Welcome to Celebration Church's podcast. We hope this helps you to know God better and trust Him more. To learn more about Celebration Church, please visit us at celebrationchurchlive.com. We are, uh, today is of course Palm Sunday. Uh, Next week is Easter, and as much as we always have big Easter plans, we never dreamed we would be doing Easter online only, but we will. We'll be here online celebrating the resurrection, so make sure um, that that's part of your next Sunday's plans is is to be with with us. But here is Palm Sunday, and today uh, we'll see uh, can play a, a significant place and a reminder in our hearts and minds of of what this means to cultivate our heart and make sure our heart is growing and doing what it is supposed to be doing. We've looked at this concept um, for five weeks in a row now that, that cultivating your heart is essential. It is essential because our heart is where every decision in life grows. Every decision in life. Man, we're making some decisions we never thought we would ever have to make. We're dealing with some stuff we never thought we would have to deal with. And all of those decisions, all of those responses, they're coming up out of our hearts. And so um, Proverbs chapter uh, 4 verse 23 reminds us that above all else, there's a lot of stuff happening right now. There's a lot of things we're dealing with. But above all else, guard your heart because out of it flow everything that deals with life, every issue of life comes up out of your heart and we have to be mindful to guard our heart and as we've now the previous four weeks looked at guarding our heart and and today we're, we're carrying that on what well, we want to make sure of in guarding our heart that we don't somehow end up hardening our heart and because sometimes we can harden our heart and it makes it feel like we're guarding it you know you have something precious in your home and you maybe want to put it in a shadow box so nobody can touch it or you have something really valuable you want to stick it in a safe and remove it out of contact with everybody and you want to sequester it away and put it inside something protective inside of something hard and and as these kinds of things carry on um, sometimes it can feel like that's the safer bet is to just harden harden things down a little bit put up some some barriers and some walls, but that is not what God's called us to. God has called us to love God and to love others. Everything else is wrapped up in that. And if we have a, a hardened heart, uh, we, we literally, we can't do that. So we have to make sure that we keep our hearts soft. See, when you keep our hearts soft towards God, then he can truly lead us. Then he can truly be Lord and King in our lives. But a lot of times we're a little skeptical about having a soft heart because we're concerned that, man, what if something unhealthy gets in there? What if somebody takes advantage of me? I got, I got to be tough. I got to be hard. I got I to I be able to put on this front so people can't take advantage of me. And we begin to, to either purposefully or, or accidentally begin to harden it. And we, we kind of understand the vulnerability of some of this stuff. Um, even just from the devices you're using right now, whether you're on a computer or whether you're on a, a phone or whatnot, because we all know that, man, you've, you've got to have some firewalls. You've got to have some protection. You've got to have something that's hard to get through because we've all had those little emails. We've had that stuff that sees like open up this video. You've got cuddly kittens purring the national anthem. 
and, and then somebody texts you, don't open Cuddly Kittens purring the national anthem. And you're like, but it's Cuddly Kittens and they're purring the Star Spangled Banner. How can I not want to see that? Everybody's going to want to be talking about it. But you're like, wait a second. It says that it's going to have some sort of malware and it's going to begin to do something destructive to my device, but I so want to do that. We understand, well, no, man, we got we to be tough. We, can, we, we can't let that in. We can't, we can't be baited into that. And, and we can begin to keep that mentality with people and with God. That if, that if I'm too open, then man, man somebody's going to take advantage of me. Or this, this is going to go sideways here. I'm, I'm, one, I'm open to when I know things are good, but man, when things look a little rocky, when things look a little rough, man, I'm going to circle the wagons. I'm going to shut down. I'm going to close the fences on this deal. And folks, you and I, as, as believers, as the children of God, the last thing in the world we want to do is to harden our heart towards God. And so we want to make sure that we don't do that. Matthew chapter 13, verse 15 says, for this people's heart has become calloused. You know what? It makes a callous is just use. Use makes a callous. <clears throat> our, our worship pastor, Daniel Gomez, he's going to have calluses on the ends of his fingers that I don't have because he plays the guitar and he builds them up. I don't do that. So my, my fingers aren't that way. Those calluses come from use. And as we use our hearts, as we use that kind of stuff, sometimes just the grind of life can begin to make things callous. That's why we've got to stay in contact with, with God, because he will soften our hearts. It says, for these people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have actually closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts. <clears throat> the, and, and turn, and I would heal them. I would bring about the, the resolution that they're needing. I would begin to, to be active and, and, and my heart and my truth would make a difference in their lives. See, we have to be make sure that, that not only do we hear the truth. Because the thing is, is once we have heard the truth, we have to choose to open our hearts to it. We have to open our hearts to it. That's what this whole thing is about, is keeping our hearts pliable and open to God. Jesus says in Matthew uh, 5, uh, 8, he says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Best who's whose hearts are the way God designed them to be. That's what a pure heart is. is it's, it hasn't had the, the bumps and bruises of life and all of the, the stuff began to, to make it less than what God intended. As we let God work in our hearts, blessed are the pure in heart because then they will see God. Then we can actually see God at work. So many times we can go, God, where are you? What's happening? What is going on? First off, we, we can go through life so much and we feel like there's kind of the natural bumps and, and hurdles. And we forget how broken our world is. That Jesus came to deliver us from death. Because death was at attacking humanity on every front. Death to the way we think. Death to the way we interact with one another. Death to our physical bodies. See, the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus comes and we may have life and have it to the full. And there's both of those things that attention. Uh, uh, and, and Jesus came that we may be able to actually have that. And he's at work in our lives. But if we, 
if our hearts aren't right, we will miss him. We will miss him being at work. In fact, the message translation puts that Matthew passage this way. It says, you're blessed when you get your inside world, your mind and your heart put right. Then you can see God in the outside world. See, God reveals himself, shows himself. We can see him at work. And we see him and he reveals himself through his word. See, John chapter 1, John's gospel opens up a lot more poetically than the other gospels open up. And it opens up in John 1, 1, that in the beginning was the word and the, and the word was with God and the word was God. And it begins to talk about all that, that, that it was there in the beginning and the creation and all these different things. And we get down to verse 14, it says, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. This was God's word, God's expression. It became flesh. It put on flesh. And it dwelt, it lived, it worked, it functioned among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son. Well, now we know who this word that became flesh was. It, it was Jesus. And who came from the Father full of grace and truth. He came full of grace and truth. Not wrath and anger and deception. But grace and truth. He came to, to begin to set things right. And to, to, to break off the lies of our lives. But to do that we have to receive that word. In fact this whole series we launched with this concept on Luke chapter 8. It says, and talking about the, the parable of the sower and the seed going into the soil. And the soil of our hearts. But see in verse 15 it says, But the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and a good heart. Who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. So we understand who this word is. This isn't just going through the pages of a holy book. That the reason we revere the pages of that holy book is that for the holy book's sake, we revere it because it reveals the word to us. It reveals Jesus to us. That is what we dig into the scriptures for, is to understand Jesus. That's what we want to open our hearts to, is to understand Jesus. Jesus was the word. To, re to fully grow, we have to receive everything that Jesus has done, promised, accomplished. That is what our hearts need to be open to. He is the word that became flesh. He's the word that God wants to put in our hearts. And see, in Palm Sunday, it reminds us that we've got to keep our hearts fresh. We've got to keep our hearts open and soft. Because it is so easy to feel like we had one moment where we responded to God in a positive way. We responded to Jesus in a positive way. And man, things can turn around in a hurry. In fact, with Palm Sunday, Palm Sunday is about the triumphal entry. And Jesus is coming in and Passover and, and, his, and his death. He's told his disciples about his death coming. But as he comes in, all of Israel's been looking for a Messiah. They've been looking for a Savior and they want a Messiah who's going to get rid of this Roman occupiers, these Roman oppressors. They didn't realize that Messiah was actually going to come and deliver them from oppression, period. 
not just an oppressor, but oppression, period. He was going to deliver us from sin and shame and all of that. They saw on a small level, God was working on a big, global, eternal level. And so as they were looking for this king to come in, then here comes Jesus in and he comes in not on a war horse, not on something that says he's coming to, to conquer, but he comes in on a donkey's colt, a donkey that's never been ridden before. It's still got that new donkey smell. I mean, it's just this brand new donkey. He comes rolling in on this new donkey, and he's coming in, and they see Jesus coming in, and then they begin to respond, and they want this king, and they begin to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna. Hosanna means save us. Jesus is our savior. They're responding. They're beginning to see it. But they're wanting to, to take that salvation and put it where they want it. They want him to push off Rome. And they think that's what he's going to do. And their response is amazing. They, they don't want even the hooves of this little colt, this donkey colt that Jesus is riding on. They don't want the, his hooves to just be on regular dirt. So they begin to spontaneously respond. There's this outpouring of affection and love and, and respect for Jesus. And those who have their outer cloak along with their over their inner tunic, they begin to just take their outer cloaks off. And they said, you know what? Uh, we don't even want those. And we want to be able to take this and we're just going to make a path. And they just take their outer cloaks and they just begin to put them down. And those who did not have an outer cloak... They went and just began to pull branches down. And they just began to lay these branches down to create this path for Jesus. And they have this amazing response. It freaks everybody in power out. Freaks the religious leaders out. Freaks the political leaders out. Oh my goodness, the whole city's turned out. And man, and it, it, but here is what's crazy. As amazing as that response is. It's just a few short days later. That there's some of people from that same crowd that things did not over that short period of time begin to go the way they wanted it to go. And they began to yell, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. They had one amazing yes moment with Jesus. Even laying down the thing that represented their very lives. They lay this stuff down. And then just a little bit later they're saying crucify him just because we have a couple of moments doesn't mean that our heart is forever open to God we have to cultivate an open heart towards Jesus there's a group of people who have an open heart on Palm Sunday and later on Jesus dies completely alone even his disciples abandon him so how do we keep this our heart soft how do we how do we keep it soft but the thing is, is that we need to stay in a place of communication. And the most effective communication is always heart-to-heart -heart communication. And it's always the most effective communication. When we begin to just try to argue with each other, if I try to argue with my wife from a head place, we're, get, we're getting nowhere. All of a sudden, she can have her reasons and I can have my reasons. And we, she can tear apart mine and I can tear apart hers. But as soon as we begin to say, look, what, what is the heart? Here is my heart. All of that, man, it begins to cut through the, the rest of that stuff. Heart-to-heart -heart communication is completely what this is about. But we have to be willing to hear 
in a place of heart-to-heart communication. And even having some amazing events happen in our lives, just you're like, man, I just need this miracle. And then, man, my heart will be open to God forever. I just need this miracle, and then my, my life will be open to God forever. Mm, let's look at this. I want us to go back in the Old Testament um, to 1 Kings. We're going to be looking in, in chapter 19. Um, but I want to preface it with a little bit of 18. When we're talking about a man named Elijah. And if you're new to this church life thing, uh, Elijah was a prophet uh, during the time of the kings. That's why we find his story in 1 Kings. And um, the nation of Israel had already ex- existed. And then it had split into two into two pieces and anyways and so this prophet is having to deal with a very wicked king and his wife the king's name is Ahab the wife's name is Jezebel and they've actually carried the nation of Israel to a place of idol worship and they've in in chapter 18 they're worshiping this idol called Baal and there's all these prophets of Baal and uh, Elijah gets real bold connects with with God and goes down and challenges them and says hey we're gonna have a showdown here we're actually gonna see what this is you take a build an altar put a, a an animal on top of it put the sacrifice on top of it and I'll do the same thing and we'll call and they call to our gods and whoever answers with fire from heaven nobody gets to use a match nobody gets to use anything and that that will understand who the true God is The true God was one to woo back the people of Israel to remind them that Baal was a false god. So the showdown goes down and and the the hundreds of prophets of Baal are dancing around and chanting and do other stuff. They get so intense they start cutting themselves and it just absolutely absolutely goes insane. Um, Man, Elijah's getting bold. He starts punking them a little bit. He's like, hey, uh, maybe your God's on vacation Maybe he's, uh, you know, out. Maybe, maybe he's uh, indisposed. Maybe he's in the restroom. And uh, so, man, he keeps punking him. Nothing happens. Now it's his turn. Punks him a little more. He says, hey, why don't you pour some water on mine? Yeah, pour some more water on mine. He prays a fairly short prayer. Fire comes down from heaven and, and uh, burns up the, the altar itself and everything on there. And it proves that God is the God, the one true God. There'd been a time of drought right there and, and he prays and he doesn't pray one time, he doesn't pray two times, he just keeps praying and finally he sees a cloud the size of a man's hand and he tells his servant, hey, this drought is about to be over. He says, it looks like, it looks like the sunset's trying to give, the sunrise trying to give us a high five. It's just, he's like, nope, nope, that's a thunderstorm. And he doesn't despise the day of small beginnings. And he says, man, you better run before the rain overtakes you. And he takes off and to go to decree, make the decree that the drought's over. He has these incredible, incredible winds, miraculous winds. But then we pick up from right after this. Well, Jezebel was ticked that her, her, her prophets, the Baal, got punked. And she was ready to kill him. So in verse 2, chapter 19, it says, so, so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, may the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I don't make your life like one of them. That's one of the, the prophets that had died. It says, uh, Elijah was afraid and he ran for his life. He just had two amazing miracles. Here one lady sends a messenger says, I'm going to kill you. And man, and he freaks out. All of a sudden now there's a threat on his life. And he begins to full on 
panic. And then he runs for his life. And when he came to Beersheba and Judah, then he left his servant there. It's like, maybe she'll think she's, maybe she'll think that's Elijah. He just leaves his, his servant there. He just runs on ahead. Reminds me of the joke of the two campers who the bear shows up. And one of the campers bends over and starts tying his shoes tight. And the buddy's like, hey, um, you really think that's going to help you outrun the bear? He's like, nope, it's going to help me outrun you. And so just leaving him in the dust, taking care of himself. And so Elijah is run out, leaves his servant behind. And so while he went about a, a day's journey into the wilderness, he came to a broom bush. He sat down under it and he prayed that he might die. He had seen these amazing miracles been used of God. And now because somebody said they wanted his life. Now he's just completely freaked out. He's running for his life. And he's praying to God who he's seen do miracles. Say I'm, I, I want to die. In fact he prays this prayer. He says Lord I've had enough Lord. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. I'm no better than my ancestors. So here is this guy who'd had these amazing moments. And then all of a sudden is so discouraged that he wants to die. So many times we can think if we'll just have this miracle or that, then man, my heart will be open to God. I'll be a person of faith. Everything is going to be good. No, we have to have a living relationship with God. And God reveals how he wants to do that to Elijah. In chapter and verse 9, it says, there he went into a cave and he spent the night and the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He wasn't where he was supposed to be. He was running for his life and he was freaked out. And God says, what are you, what are you doing here? And he replied, I, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Man, I've been awesome. I've been doing some really good stuff for you, God. The Israelites, they've, they've rejected your covenant. All of them, they don't like you. They don't even, they don't even care about your stuff anymore. And, and, and so I, I'm the only one that's left. In fact, they've torn down your altars and, and they put your prophets to the death with the sword. And I'm it, God. I'm the only one that's, I'm the only one that's left. He wasn't just self-righteous. He was solo righteous. He was like, I'm it. I am all that is left. He says, and now they're trying to kill me too. And then the Lord God said to him, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. For the Lord will, <clears throat> is about to pass by. He said, you're about to have an encounter with God. And so now he goes out and he stands there. Now remember, this is a guy who saw the, the heavens open up and, and, and a flood and tons of rain uh, undo a drought. He saw the heavens open up and, and fire come down. And so Elijah, he's just ready for something like that. So, it says, and the Lord said, go out, because we're about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountain apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, there was an earthquake. Something that was pretty amazing. Something that was pretty awesome. But the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake became came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. It was there in that personal, sweet, gentle whisper that God was there. 
See, so many times we forget that God wants a relationship with us. He wants a relationship with us. We want this God who's, who's going to do all this miracle stuff. And if I can just see enough miracles, I will be in a great place of relationship with God. And we see with Elijah, nope. It doesn't matter how many miracles we see. We have to cultivate that quiet, intimate relationship with God. We have to be willing to do that. See, the truth is, is God wants to fill us with himself. We were made to be in relationship with God. He wants to restore. Jesus came to restore things back to factory settings, to pre-fall settings. Where we were made in the image of God, where we had fellowship and real relationship with God. Where Adam walked with God in the cool of the day. God wants that kind of relationship with us. God wants to fill us with himself. Let's look at Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at verse 4. It says, on one occasion, while he was eating with them, this is Jesus. He gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. With my very presence, with my very spirit. And then they gathered around him and they asked him, Lord, are you uh, at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? They still were fixated on dealing with something on earth. And God was wanting to do something much bigger, much bigger than that. It wasn't just about a, an Israel's earthly realm. It was about the kingdom of God being established in men's hearts. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set in his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And this is where we understand that we're to carry the truth of the gospel and the power of God around the globe. He says that that's part of our command. But remember, he had already told them, don't go anywhere. Stay in Jerusalem till this comes out. He says, and after he had said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. So here we are. He's talking to the group of people who saw the miracles. They ate the bread that multiplied for the 4,000 and the 5,000. They witnessed the eyes opening, the paralyzed being, being restored, the withered man's hand doing that, the Lazarus coming out of the grave. They're talking to resurrected Jesus. Jesus that had been on the cross, put in a grave and is resurrected. They could have gone and told those eyewitness accounts. They'd seen them. But there was something they needed more than that, that those experiences were not enough. They needed the very presence of God. So therefore, they had the most important message on the whole world that had ever known of who Jesus is and what he's done. And they were told to wait until the Holy Spirit came. Folks, if those disciples needed the Holy Spirit if those who walked with Jesus saw his miracles, they need the Holy Spirit. How much more do we need the Holy Spirit who's going to speak to us in the 
gentle whisper in our hearts than in the middle of a pandemic remind you're my child and I'm with you and you're not going anywhere. We're going to make it through this. They have the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit speaking peace and wholeness and direction in your life, helping you to be able to navigate any kind of, of economic difficulties, any financial difficulties. You have the gentle whisper of the Holy Spirit. Just because we said yes to Jesus and had some sort of triumphal entry moment at some point in our life doesn't mean we're still soft towards God. We have to daily cultivate a soft heart towards God. In Christianity, we don't get to have a moment and set it and forget it. We, are a, we have to keep a, a living relationship with Jesus every day. 2 Corinthians 1.22 says, and, he, and his seal of ownership, he set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit on our hearts as a deposit guaranteeing is what's to come. Folks, sometimes we need that deposit guaranteeing what's to come because what we're in the middle of, we don't like. And we need the reminder that something else is coming, that God is with us, that the, this is not the end of our story. This is not the end of the moment. There's a promise that is to come, and we have the Spirit whispering to us that says, your story's not over. This isn't over. Keep moving. Keep trusting. Keep loving. Keep your heart soft towards God. That is what is going to make the difference. We have the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what's to come. Why? Because there are things to come. There are things to come, and he is for us. 2 Corinthians 3 goes on to say that now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, we think about who he is and what he's done, are being transformed into his image. That transformation comes on the inside with ever-increasing glory. We go from glory to glory, to glory. Guess what? At Celebration Church, this is our discipleship model. We just try to focus in on what God is doing in our lives. Because there's plenty of stuff that's broken. There's plenty of stuff that doesn't represent God himself yet. But there's something that God is working in each of us that does represent him. And we look there. And we say, all right, we're going to give attention to that and let that grow. Because that's that first glory. And then he takes us to the next glory. We don't pick on all the stuff that maybe doesn't, isn't quite transformed yet. Because we know he who's begun a good work is faithful to carry it on to completion. That is our discipleship model. See, as God is changing us from the inside out, the only surgery that he does is open heart surgery. We have to leave our hearts open to him. As soon as we close them down, we get hard-hearted, the transformation ceases. We're not letting him work in our lives. We have to continue to let him work in our lives. See, Romans 12 to, I love the message translation on this. It says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you always dragging you down to its level of immaturity, God brings the best out of you and develops well-formed maturity in you. This is what God is doing in our lives. Whether we're able to assemble and have, a, have awesome connections at a location or we're all in our homes, the Holy Spirit is the same Holy Spirit. He's working in our lives. If we will lean in, then there will be no slowing back. In fact, this can be a, a time of acceleration 
if we will let him, if we will let some of the distractions that have been pulled aside, let our eye gates and our ear gates our, begin to tra- let God speak to us through those and transform our hearts, we'll begin to see things truly begin to accelerate in growth in our lives. See, our bottom line today is opening your heart, is opening your life. If we want our lives to be transformed, it starts and continues and always is about how open are we going to keep our hearts towards God. That's what it's always been about. Always. It doesn't change. It it doesn't shift. It's that every single day. See, for us as the children of God, every day should be Palm Sunday. Every day should be us waking up and saying, Hosanna, Hosanna. God save, God restore, God set right everything that doesn't fully reveal you and me. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Every day should be our Palm Sunday, our triumphal entry. God is one to take another step forward in our lives and we have to keep our hearts open to do that. See, a healthy heart is about the life of God in us, showing the life of God through us. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Celebration Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter.